Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Infinite Worlds podcast. I'm your host Winston Ward, publisher of Infinite Worlds magazine. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host Nick the Tooth. What's going on, Nick? Dude, what is going on? It is freaking almost August 2021 in the middle of a global pandemic and we are here my brother, to talk about my favorite television series of all time, X-Files. Yes. I'm glad to hear that it's one of your favorites. It's always been a favorite of mine, too. It basically was recorded more or less over the course of the 90s, and that was more or less my childhood. I turned 10 the year the series debuted, so it definitely was very influential to me in my childhood as well. So uh, this is a real fun one. I think it really ties in with the UFO episode, which we did last. So I think it's a good little snowball effect. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I remember watching X-Files every, it was one of those shows and it might've been like one of the last that I watched religiously every single time it came on. It was like, stop the world. I'm watching (laughs) X-Files. You know what I mean? Like watch it right now. It definitely had has so many captivating features. There are so many things about the X-Files that I think changed the standard of television in a lot of ways and, you know, transformed how people thought of conspiracy theories, how they thought of the government, how people viewed extraterrestrial life and, you know, the potential for that. So I think in a lot of ways, the X-Files has echoed through time, having debuted nearly 30 years ago now. Yeah, and I think those echoes, instead of diminishing, have gotten fucking louder because Mm. I often think about, like, you know, so much of sci-fi, for me, at least the way that I look at it, and maybe it's because I view it through that paradigm of X-Files, is was about conspiracy theories. And I, I always was a conspiracy theory lover. You know, where it was like, oh, my gosh, it's so cool to write about conspiracy theories and this and that. And now now that it's become reality, right, in a way (laughs) that not reality that is real, but reality that it's influencing reality, like with QAnon. I mean, dude, it's not much fucking different. It's like X-Files kind of like had a baby and it was called QAnon. And that to right. me is fucking horrifying. We're like in the middle of a horror movie, right? Right. While I credit the X-Files with opening everybody's minds to looking for the truth, the truth is out there, uh, you know, some of the taglines, I want to believe. But also you're right. You know, I think there was a uh, sort of a, a groundswell of conspiracy theorists that probably took a lot of inspiration from the X-Files as well. And that has, in a lot of ways, damaged society. So... Uh, you know, it's sort of a uh, double-edged sword, but or were they raised on, or were they raised on X Files, and this is like some subliminal effect, sub subconscious programming to where they're going to question everything. You know, the truth is out there, right? Not to add to the conspiracies here or anything, but the X Files was produced by Fox. Oh, <laughs> so. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I love it. I love it. I Before love it. we get too into the meat and potatoes of this episode, why don't we catch up first? Catch up. Yeah. yeah we, we, we love to do that at the beginning of the episode. So let's start there. Yeah, no doubt. I am in England still. I've been here for like two months, I think. And I am, dude, I'm fucking loving it over here. Europe is so amazing. It's freaking rad. I, I really dig are it. Are you getting to uh, go out socialize yet? Or are you still quarantined? What's that like? No, 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 no. I was quarantined for like five, five days. I, it was a 10 day quarantine. I think that's over now. 
um, despite the surge in Delta and all that madness. Right. Um, but it's pretty, everything is pretty much open, you know, masks that, uh, at the, it's so crazy to think we're still wearing masks, but oh, uh, yeah, they, I don't know if you heard you're in England, but the CDC here in the States just updated their mask policy. So that even vaccinated people are supposed to be wearing their masks indoors as of, I th- as of, I think yesterday. I don't care what people say. I'm such a lover of the stand, you know, Stephen King's The Stand (laughs) pandemic thing. I fucking love it. I love to watch people wear masks and and the craziness of of what's changing in society because I'm like, man, the simulation is so echoing all the themes of everything I love about freaking sci-fi. So I don't care. I love it. (laughs) It's the the mirror universe for sure. Oh Um, my gosh. And I just, dude, I just went to... Everyone put this on your number one vacation spot. I just went to Edinburgh, Scotland. Oh, nice. This was one of the cool, this was perhaps the coolest city I've ever visited in the world. And I've been a lot of places, man. This place was, what's rad about it is there's a section of Edinburgh where I, dude, I could just walk around all day. There's castles everywhere. Everything is so, yeah, it's so medieval everywhere, every corner. Is so medieval because unlike London, it was not bombed by the by Hitler and the Nazis, you know. So so right. much of London, the the really freaking ancient shit was destroyed. Um, and there's still a lot of it around here, but compared to London, dude, Scotland is prist- Edinburgh is pristine. And so there was this section that was completely um, based on that J.K. Rowling based uh, Diagon Alley off of. And that oh, okay. was incredible, man. It was so rad. I just, I loved it. So I would definitely love to visit there. Ireland and Scotland are definitely high on my list of European destinations. Uh, well, I, I don't know. Are they considered part of Europe now with Brexit? I, I don't even know. No, and they're all, I guess they are. They're still part of Europe. But they're just not part of the European Union. Yeah, they're not part of the EU. Yeah. Either way, I'd, I, when I when I do eventually make it over there across the pond, I, that is definitely a spot I want to hit up. You know, I definitely want to fight another immortal to the death with a sword. Uh, Highlander, right? <laughs> In Scotland and uh, all those things. That is definitely on my to-do list. So are you meeting any cool people? Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I, I have this like – this this built-in like tribe because of jujitsu. So I just been right. I've been everywhere I go in the world, no matter Moscow, the Middle East, wherever. I just put someone on Instagram. I'm like, hey, I want to roll, I want to train, and people just hit me. And so I, as soon as I got over here, I did the same thing. And so I've been actually teaching seminars around the entire UK. And so, oh, very uh, cool. Yeah, it's cool. So I got one Is, more. Do you seminar. pick up extra? Do you pick up uh, some extra cash doing that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, very yeah, cool, very cool. Yeah, very, and I get paid in uh, in pounds, which are much stronger than dollars. So that's good. So I just get to go throw my money around at the clubs, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> making it rain. Nice, nice. No, it's rad. It's it's really fun. I mean, more than anything, I just. I meet friends and, you know, like I said, I went up to Scotland to teach a seminar in Edinburgh and that was rad and everywhere. Just people are so cool, man. That's the ultimately all that matters in life is just be cool, be kind, yeah. be nice, mm-hmm. be cool, be patient, you know? So it's, yeah. it's, it's easy to say it's tough to remember sometimes though. You know? Oh God. It's hard, dude. I got to tell you, man, it's, it's, I will say, we'll leave it on this. It's very hard for me 
to imagine going back to the U.S. I'm, I'm, my, my new plan, and who knows if it's going to happen, you know, sure. but my new plan is I've gotten all my paperwork together, and I think I'm going to go back to the U.S., take care of a few things, and then move to Sicily. And uh, yeah, that's where okay. my that's where my grandfather's from, and I've never been to Italy. I've never been to Sicily, and uh, for, so someone in Scotland in Edinburgh was like, "If you want your Italian citizenship, get your paperwork together and move to the town in which your grandfather was born, and you'll get it in like three months." And so I'm like, "I'm there." And so I I, I went on Instagram. I I said, "Hey." Who is who's got a gym in Sicily? They instantly were like, dude, we got a gym. Cicero Palermo is the name of the city. And Cicero Costa is the name of the gym. And they're like, come teach here. We want you here. You can stay with us. And I'm like, dude, I'm there. So Okay, cool. That's a good new plan. <laughs> so are you just gonna kinda like pass through Portugal on the way there? Uh what's I'm gonna go no, I'm not gonna pass through Portugal. I'm gonna go right to Sicily and get my EU citizenship and then go to Portugal. Oh yeah, then you can just like buy the trains all around Europe. No, I can take my I'm gonna do a van. I can oh. drive a van and just live in a van all throughout Europe. Oh man, outstanding. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyways, okay. Um, so I'm gonna one more thing. I'm gonna talk about. I don't know what you've been doing this past few weeks, but I've been on this kick that is so crazy. I've been watching on Netflix He Man and Masters of the Universe, the Kevin mm, Smith from right. All Rats and Clerks reboot. And dude, my brother used to, my little brother used to watch us when I was a kid, and I hated fucking He Man, Masters of the Universe. I couldn't stand it, but I knew all about it because my little brother, and so he right. had all the toys, and I'd watch the thing. Dude, it is so freaking good. Is it? it I, yes, I grew up with He Man, Masters. I had the He Man oh. figures. I had them all, you know. And you haven't watched it. No, I haven't watched it. You know, like no, truthfully, I, truthfully, I haven't thought about Masters of the Universe in a really long time. Dude, it's definitely something I could put on my short list, you know, dude, it's so, you know, Winston, you know, what's so good is that all, you know, the, there was a documentary uh, series on Netflix, which looked into toys, like it was called the toys we love or something like sure. that. Sure. Yeah. I, I know the show. And so they went into He-Man and they basically were like, listen, this was an infomercial to sell these damn toys. Right. Right. And so there were so many shortcomings in the story. It was like lame, you know, like the sword of power. It couldn't get more obvious. Right. For little kids. Right. But dude, Kevin Smith went back and explained it all in a way that you're like, dude, you're a fucking genius. It's all works. So it's kind of like heavy metal meets fucking uh, masters of the universe. So I suggest everyone. Okay. Wait, that's a good recommendation. Especially, I, I suggest you watch it because you were a fan. The old Masters of the Universe movie was one of the corniest, but also <laughs> I, I wore out the um, VHS tape when I was a kid for sure. So, okay. Oh, that's great. You're going to love it. You're going to go, dude, you're right. Yeah. Let's see. On my end, it. I'm putting the finishing touches on Infinite Worlds number nine right now, trying to get your buddy, Josh Barnett, to uh, answer some interview questions. Oh, yeah. Lagging. If you hear this, Josh. Sorry for calling you out, dude. <laughs> Does he listen to the podcast? I love Josh, man. I don't. I don't know if he listens to the podcast, but he follows the Instagram account, and he's he's a cool as shit guy. Definitely only calling him out because I feel like you know he's a cool dude. Uh, he's the best. Hey, remind me, and I'll hit him, and then I'll be like, dude, you gotta fucking answer his interview questions. Oh, he, he's he's already agreed to it. We've already got a portrait done, and he's answered some of them, but there's a couple more, and I'm getting close to print, so I'm like, 
have an, you know, he's a busy ass guy, you know, so I, I get it. He's got lots of stuff on his plate. Let's see. I've got, that's almost done getting issue one of infinite horrors put together right now, like collecting a, uh, a cast, I guess, um, of contributors. for submissions, right? So any, any, yep. re, any listeners out there start freaking sharpening your pencils and get some horror stories written. You know, horror, art, horror comics, guys, I, the horror magazine is just going to be just like Infinite Worlds, but horror themed. It's going to be full color, ad free, limited edition, featuring art from all over the world. And I've already found a number of contributors. I've got the cover art finished. We're just putting the final details on like the cover layout. And then we're going to launch a Kickstarter. So that's coming soon. And I'm like 4,000 or 5,000 words from finishing at least the second part of my novel that I'm working on, I'll have to write a few like narrator asides after that, like five or six of those. And that'll take me maybe a week or two. So I'm real close to finishing this book. And every time we talk, I get a little closer. It's been, it's been in the works for like a year and a half, but you know, I've been doing all this other stuff on top of that. So, so that's, what's going on here. Watching some X-Files, you know, here and there. Yeah. I love it, dude. X-Files is the two main things that do. I've been on this fucking crazy kick. You want to talk about this and rewatching things. I think I've been watching Next Generation Star Trek oh. every night, every single night. Oh yeah, that, that, I don't that know why. I can't even it, because it's the best show ever. That's why because oh. I I've been watching it on my lunch breaks. Like I work in an office in my uh, apartment, and usually for lunch I go sit in the living room and eat lunch and put something on the TV. And it's been Next Gen. Like I watch like an episode over two days. And <sighs> I have torn through this show, man. I am rewatching episodes that I haven't seen in years and years, and some that I've watched you know, pretty recently and man, love it. It's so good. Love Star Trek. So fucking good. We were, you guys go back and listen to our Star Trek episodes of the podcast. We, uh, you know, both of us love the show. Well, you know what? It's what's interesting. And I'm going to use that as a segue to get into X-Files is I would say my second most watched on Netflix is X-Files. And mm-hmm. the reason is I, it's kind of like this crazy thing. Like people always ask me, why is it that so many surfers freaking love jujitsu and why do so many jujitsu guys love surfing and i fucking meditated on that and wrestled with that in my brain for years and years and years before i finally realized oh it's because they're both freaking fun and i (laughs) right it's that simple right we're such simple creatures Right. We want to like impose all of these like really strict things on, on complex ideas and this. We just want to have fun, man. We're just like True little that. right. And so X Files for me, just like Next Generation was super fun. X Files, yes. which debuted in nineteen ninety-three, was this crazy stew of UFOs and conspiracy theories and urban legends and sci-fi madness. But at the end of the day, it was fun. And that was something I think when you look at the the spinoffs that they lacked, they lacked this certain charisma and fun. But X-Files freaking absolutely nailed it. Yeah, I agree. There was a there was a moment in 1993, 1994 that Star Trek The Next Generation, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Babylon 5 and the X-Files were all on at the same time. And as a, a kid growing up in that era, let me tell you, it was like heaven. You know, it, it, network TV was really, really delivering for a brain like like mine, my young brain. So I completely follow you on this one. Dude, that's a, that's a really good point. 
that I think that we should sit on for a minute and at least contemplate because that was kind of a golden era. I never really thought about that. You're right. The mid nineties for television, I think was absolutely a golden era. And there was other stuff on at the time too, like sketch comedy. I thought really hit a, uh, a high point in the nineties. You had kids in the hall and the state. Oh man, those were so good. And uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 was on, which I talk about a lot. And The Simpsons, you know, was going strong. It was like at its peak right of that era too. So for me as a little kid, I was like absolutely glued to the television. You know, I liked so many shows on TV. I loved them, loved so many shows on TV to the point where I became like a um, TV trivia nerd, you know, and all, all my repertoire for discussion was like in that episode of so-and-so. And, you know, I had to like break away from TV for a long time. Like I stopped watching TV for like a whole decade after I left my house and went to college. I stopped watching TV altogether, got glued to the internet instead and, you know, reading books. There's a lot of truth in saying that during that time, during the X-Files era, let's call it the X-Files era, that TV was not only just great and really entertaining and really fun, but also like super thought-provoking and mysterious. And it really titillated your imagination in a lot of ways. And The X-Files is the number one show for that. Yeah, I I agree. And you kind of have to look at a structural issue. You know, if you think about um, in the 80s, if you look at popular music, it was so constrained in a way that you were only getting on there. Listening to the radio in the late 80s, the only thing you were hearing was like, Millie Vanilli, Janet Jackson, Michael Jack. It was just so freaking vanilla. Pop music. Yeah. It was yeah. Just, and pop music was so bad then. It was so corporatized. And what happened in the late 90s and I mean the early 90s is you had new networks and cable television really started like Comedy Central. All these different networks really started to emerge. These cable channels. The sci-fi they, channel. Yeah, the sci-fi channel and you need they needed content. And so they reached out to people who they never would have reached out to to create things. For instance, for Fox uh Fox uh network started like in the early 90s. And so they didn't have anyone to really write for and write for them. And so you had Chris Carter who was a writer for Surfing Magazine. Um, and dude, let me tell you Is that man. right? Yeah. He was, a, he was an avid, fanatical surfer. And oh, wrote, cool. And became an editor for Surfing Magazine, right? And so that was his, like, that's what he was going to do in his life. But it turned out he met his wife at Surfing Magazine, and she ended up having a hookup at NBC and, you know, through connections, he got hired to start writing for them because they were always at that point. Networks were on the lookout for new talent. And how can we bring them into the fold, get some new injection of blood and ideas? Um, and so he wrote for them, developing things and rewriting scripts for a number of years. But then Fox Network came out and he ended up meeting one of the executives at like a softball game. Right. And the guy was like, right. hey, why don't you come over here to Fox? They gave him a contract and he they're like, develop something. We, if it doesn't work, don't worry about it. Just come up with something cool. And so he, Chris Carter, looked back on his love of Twilight Zone mm. and a series called Kolchak, the Night Stalker, 
And he was like, I'm going to merge those two together to develop the X-Files. Now, when I was a little kid, and I'm talking about, dude, little, 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 I had older cousins, and they had me watch this show, Kolchak the Night Stalker. And Kolchak was like a, I guess he was a, he was like a newspaper reporter, and he reported on paranormal things, like a lot of vampires and things. Dude, I was fucking terrified. I was like six years old, like watching the show with my eyes wide, where at that age, you're like, it's real. Anything that happens on television is real, you know, kind of like how QAnon people are with the Internet now, with YouTube. But I remember just like watching this and going, oh, my God, this is so fucking terrifying and so cool. (laughs) And um, and so Kolchak Night Stalker was more of an anthology, like like standalone series type thing. And but really terrifying. And so Chris Carter, like, came up with the pilot episode of X-Files and went in and pitched it to Fox. And they were like, nope, nope, we're not down for it. But he he. Yeah, I know. And he but he kept trudging along and he got a second pitch interview and uh, or pitch meeting. And he went in and pitched it again. And this time they were like, you know what? We think you got something here. We're going to give you X amount of money to, uh, you can be the showrunner. You can film it, produce it yourself and give us a pilot. And so um, that was kind of how X-Files was born. And those are the the genesis. Kolchak was such an important inspiration for him that the lead um, actor in that he brought back for a couple episodes. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Kolchak was everything. So anybody who's like a fanatic for X-Files, go back. I'm sure on YouTube, you can find Kolchak the Night Stalker and watch some of the episodes. When preparing for this, I read that about Kolchak and I have never heard of the show and I have never seen an episode of the show, obviously, but I'm super intrigued. I think it was only on for one or two seasons, but it sounds super yeah. intriguing to me. So I definitely will check that out. Obviously, guys, if you do check it out, you know, let us know. Leave us some comments. There's another show that I don't know if Chris Carter ever saw or if it had anything to do with the development of X-Files at all. But there was a Japanese television show sort of about conspiracy theories, strange supernatural phenomena, and it's about a team of investigators in Japan. And this show was from the 1960s in 1966. And, you know, they investigate giant monsters, aliens, ghosts, that kind of thing. So in a lot of ways, very what was the name of it, you know? it's called Ultra Q. Oh, anything ultra to me, like Soundgarden had an album called Ultra Mega OK. And my favorite uh, show as a kid was Ultraman. So anything yeah, Ultra well, is actually a spinoff. Ultraman is actually a spinoff of Ultra Q. <laughs> Ultra Q was no way. Yeah, way. So they kind of like investigate kaiju on the show, but it's not always kaiju. Sometimes it's other stuff, like not always giant creatures, whatever. But Ultra Man spun off from Ultra Q, so it would kind of it would kind of be like one of the characters from the X Files getting their own treatment for a TV show, which did happen. That is crazy. Wow. I've seen a couple of episodes of Ultra Q, probably about eight or 10 episodes of the show. I think there are only like 25 or 30 episodes. You know, that's a pretty cool show. I mean, if you're into like 60s Japanese, campy 60 Japanese stuff, then, you know, I am. I know not everybody is, but I recommend that too. Again, I don't know if Chris Carter had ever seen the show. It's not really mentioned in like most of the things I've read about the development of the show. But when you read about Ultra Q, it relates it to the X-Files a lot. So 
Just thought I'd mention that, throw it in there. I freaking love it. I got to watch that. So it's all subtitled then. Yeah. Yes. Or I, I think you could find a subtitled version and a dubbed version, actually. <laughs> I got to watch And it. I got to thank the guys it. at uh, Videodrome in Atlanta for turning me on to Ultra Q. They know all their stuff. So if you guys are in the Atlanta area, please go check out Videodrome, the last remaining video rental store in Atlanta. They have like more than a million movies, way more than you can choose from on Netflix or HBO Max or anything. So hook, hook them up. They're good friends. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So anyways, X-Files launched and they started, you know, they were one of the first series outside of like soap operas um, to feature like a serialized story arc in some of the episodes. And so you had this like, you know, you can see this merging of what Chris Carter loved about Twilight Zone, where you had this standalone episodes and this serialized, like, you know, the, the series. And then that begs the question, right? This is the question for anybody who's a fan of X-Files is what did you like better? Did you like the standalone episodes or did you like the conspiracy overarching conspiracies? We talked about this a, a bit before we started recording this episode. I've read that approximately one third of the episodes of the series tied into the overarching plot of the government using Mulder and Scully as pawns in a larger cover up, extraterrestrial cover up conspiracy, uh, which is definitely what got me really hooked on the show as a kid. Versus the standalone Monster of the Week episodes, which made up almost two-thirds of the show. So, you know, if you tuned in only like one out of three weeks, were you going to see an episode that related to, the, like you said, the, the overarching narrative? And before we move on to like, you know, what you prefer or whatever, I would just want to point out how great X-Files effect was on popular culture. Because probably the one of the most popular songs of the 1990s references this exact question of which is better the monster of the week or the um canon episodes i can't remember the name of the band right off the top of my head but that canadian band they did one week bare naked ladies and it was a massive hit in 1998 i you could not go anywhere without hearing this song and to the point where it was downright annoying and is still somewhat annoying or whatever but one of the lyrics is watching x-files with no lights on were don's la maison i hope the smoking man's in this one and that's a reference to, oh, uh, I love it. and you know, a big cultural touchstone because I mean, this song was a massive hit. Everybody heard the song and everybody got the reference at the time because the smoking man being in the episode was a reference to the, the overarching conspiracy theory plot episodes that you're talking about the one third. And, you know, you only got to see that in one out of three episodes approximately. Oh, no, no doubt. I mean, not- when I was a kid, 13, 14 years old, glued to the TV when the smoking man appeared on, uh, and in case you haven't seen the series, the smoking man was a shadowy government figure or perhaps an ex government figure that dropped clues in Mulder and Scully's ongoing search to find the truth about this government cover up. And he was referenced all over the place in the nineties. But when he appeared on screen, you knew that they were going to get into that plot. And as a kid, a 13, 14 year old, when I saw that character appear on screen, I, the hair on my arms stood on it. Dude, let me tell you something. 
X-Files was so influential that there were song after song that were written by Sheryl Crow had a huge song called On the Outside about it. Um, Soul Coughing had a song. Foo Fighters had a song about it. Nick Cave had a song. Filter had a song. Frank Black had a song. Meat Puppets. Even Danzig had a song called Deep that referenced it. Elvis Costello, Rob Zombie. Dude, X-Files, there's no way to freaking overstate how much of an influence this had on popular culture. It still does, too. We talked about at the beginning of the episode about how conspiracy theories and, you know, the idea that the government is lying to us, that we're all just pawns in some sort of large conspiracy has become really commonplace to the point where we can't get people to wear fucking masks (laughs) or get vaccinated because they believe that the cigarette smoking man is, you know, toying with them or whatever or the quote-unquote government is toying with them or whatever it is that they believe and like you said it's a QAnon thing and it's not just QAnon; it's just regular people having these conspiracy theory ideas because it did become such a popular thing in popular culture question everything you know, part of the problem yeah. is that like we've talked about this before too but questioning everything really only works when you use critical thinking <laughs> it really gets off the rails really fast when you say oh but how do we know it's not this far-flung, nearly impossible idea instead of what it seems to be on its face, which is really the whole idea behind Pastafarianism. You know, the conjecture that you can't prove it's not real, so it might be real, gives birth to the flying spaghetti monster. You know, I claim that there's a flying spaghetti monster in space, and that's God, and you can't disprove it, so it must be true. That's true, right? You can't disprove it. So any far-flung idea you have can be a quote-unquote theory if you don't think about it too critically. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So so anyways, when Chris Carter, you know, one of the ways that he was able to really launch the show was by securing David Duchovny. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy is that David Duchovny was not a well-known actor at that point. His real claim to fame at that point, at least in small circles, was he was on a soft porn show called Red Shoe Diaries. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I, I've never seen the show, but I have heard of that. And that yeah. was on like that was on like um, Showtime or HBO or something. Yeah, one of those weird. I think Showtime or Cinemax or Cinemax used to call yeah. Cinemax Skinemax. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> Before the internet, and you could only get porn at the local store or or uh, or or on Cinemax. So yeah, so he was on Red Shoe Diaries, and uh, and then Sc- he found Scully. And no one wanted her. Only Carter wanted her. Every single network exec wanted someone who was like a bombshell, who was hot, who was blonde, who had big tits, you know, just a completely exploitive version of a female. And he was like, no, we need someone who is way more cerebral to counter, you know, Scott Mulder, who is, you know, kind of flies off the cuff here and there. And she's like, we need someone to ground him. How is a, how is someone blonde going to, you know, a bombshell going to fill that role? She made a foil. And uh, I'll tell you, I'm so behind Chris Carter on this. I can't possibly imagine anybody, but Jillian Anderson in that role. For me, she was a bombshell. You know, when I was a kid, I looked at Jillian Anderson with like, I couldn't close my mouth when I was looking at her. Like I, she, she, to me, she was super beautiful. Dude, I think two years after the, it started, after they launched the first uh, season, she was voted sexiest woman in the world. So yeah, yeah. yes. It shows what the executives know. 
It's not. <laughs> if we've learned anything on this show, it's that executives are fucking idiots who don't know how to do anything. <laughs> no doubt. It all they're pretty much always were like all the best stuff comes from somebody being like get screwed uh, executives you don't know what you were talking about. We talked about Lucille Ball doing that to the executives for Star Trek, standing Star Trek uh, in its development back in the 60s. And, you know, just basically telling all the other executives to kiss her ass and that it was going to happen. So it's kind of the same phenomenon happening again, you know, also with the redheaded woman involved. So hmm. mm, there you go. There you go. So let me ask you then. So we have Mulder and Scully. Who were your favorite characters after uh, those two? Well, at first I hated Skinner, you know, their boss, because he didn't understand what they were doing or what was going on. But as the series develops, Skinner turns out to be, you know, a really heroic, really nuanced character. So I actually recommend that character to people. I mean, if you're watching the show, you can make your own judgments. And the lone gunman, too, as characters, you know, I, I was no. a nerd. Like, there's no question, especially as a 13, 14 year old. I was a big nerd. And I say was, I still am clearly, but I was an ultra nerd. I wore like big ass glasses, had a bowl cut, all that stuff. <laughs> I love it. I so love it. I related to the lone gunmen who are like, if you haven't seen the series are like a group of hackers that kind of like aid Mulder and Scully on their investigations like here and there. And they're kind of comic relief in a way, but they're also necessary characters for the show. And I related with them an awful lot. So those are other characters that I quite know. They were the best, man. They were so cool. It was one of those things where you were like, these guys are so good. They deserve their own spinoff show. Right. And then when they got it, you were like, ah, that sucked. Yeah, they shouldn't have done it. Shouldn't have done it. For me, being such conspiracy, like uh, part of the show that was my favorite, Cigarette Smoking Man was of course. like it. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. Every time that guy comes on, I'm like, he fucking knows something that we need to know. I need to know what Eddie, the hints he dropped were always so like scintillating. Like you, you really yeah. did. Like you, you always like, oh, what does he mean? What does he say? <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's funny because in a lot of ways, the show kind of took some of its cues from another popular show that had some similar themes right before that Twin Peaks. Yeah. Oh, dude, I never thought about that. You're and right. You know, they're different. They're very different shows, but they do have a certain number of things in common, including like FBI investigators investigating paranormal events. You know what I mean? And, but they yeah. have very different tones. Like the tones of the shows are very different. But I think The X-Files is sort of integral in transferring TV in a different direction. Yeah. There was the that real gritty kind of stuff like Twin Peaks. And then The X-Files came along and sort of part gritty. Some of the episodes are downright disturbing. And there's no question that if you watch The X-Files, you're going to laugh and roll your eyes half the time. And you're going to be like genuinely disturbed part of the time. Because there are yes. some really messed up episodes of the show, for sure. Yeah. But then it kind of like gave birth to a whole nother generation of television where it took cues from it like Lost and Supernatural. And uh, a number of other shows that used X-Files format to kind of set their tone a little bit. Without question. Without question. I agree. You know who else was another one of my favorite characters that I absolutely hated, but at the same time I loved? It was Crycheck. I don't know if you remember oh, him. Oh, yes. I remember Crycheck. Yeah. Mulder's kind of crazy ex-partner. Yeah. The anti-Mulder, right? The, yeah, the anti-Mulder. You know, it's funny because they actually, you know, in the later seasons of the show, if, if, if you guys aren't familiar with the history of the show, we, we'll, we'll tell you. Chris Carter's plan was to end the show after five seasons and then continue the story through feature film. 
like to continue the story on then in two hour bursts through feature films. And he would, you know, segue that way. And he had some uh, scripts in development for that purpose. But then once that time came around, the network was like, look, your show is way too popular. We do not want to cancel it. We'll just pour money on you. Please stay on and continue the show. So he did that. And he tried to incorporate the plot points that he had been writing into these screenplays into series episodes instead. So he tried to work those in. And as that was happening, and he had already kind of like used those plot points, they then greenlit a movie. 1999, I think, was their first film or something like that. And dude, I remember sitting in the movie theater, just like waiting for that freaking screen. The preview started. I, dude, I could, I was never more pumped to see, you know, a movie. I mean, to be honest, like more than anything to watch that movie. And uh, both of the movies were, mm, I don't know, man. It's just, it's, you can kind of see where they started sucking. He probably had some great ideas for the movie. And then because he had to continue with the series, right. they just started siphoning the energy out of both of them, you know? I mean, that's at least what I tell myself. No, I think so. I think that is kind of what happened. And the show started really to deteriorate after that. One of the things is they moved the production from Canada. I think it was being filmed in the Vancouver area for the first several seasons. And then they moved it to L.A. Ah. And it wasn't long after this happened that David Duchovny more or less left the show. I remember. He didn't entirely leave the show. He appeared in episodes still, but very infrequently. And the show really became about Scully, about Gillian Anderson's character. Yeah, and it's a dreaded, I'm going to leave a TV show and become a movie star. And then that never, right. never happens. You know what I mean? It never happened. He eventually did make right. He got Californication mm-hmm. and that was a big hit for him. And, you know, he still makes. Yeah, which is more television, you know? Yeah, exactly. But he never really, no. he never really moved into feature film. I think the the feature film role that I can remember him best for is his character in Zoolander. I'm sure he's in some other movies, but I can't really remember. His big movie was long. Evolution or something. It was so oh, Evolution. Bad. Oh, yeah. I actually watched that not too long. I, I watched it not too long ago. Pretty bad. Pretty bad movie. Yeah. He probably should have tried to play a little more serious. It was a little a little too slapstick, I think. Tough transition, man. Tough transition. But I did love him in Californication. So, but yeah, I remember- uh, I've actually never seen Californication. What? Dude, yeah, I've never writer. seen I've, it's like it's kind of like it's like Bukowski esque writer, right? Fucking show, yeah, I love it. I, dude, it's one of my favorite shows, man. I really dig it. Okay, well, I'll definitely um give it a go one of these days. Um, I I'm a big fan of Charles Bukowski, um, despite the fact that he's obviously a super problematic individual. <laughs> <laughs> he's one of my favorite writers. Oh, dude, problematic. I love his writing. Yeah, he was a lunatic, dude. Yeah, he was a total absolute mess of a human being. <laughs> I actually have a bluebird in a cage tattooed over my heart in honor of the blue, the Bukowski poem Bluebird. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's one of my favorite poets, man. Him and Raymond Carver. I love their work. Oh, my gosh. I will definitely check that out. One of my favorite anecdotes when just reading trivia about uh, X-Files just to kind of prepare for this episode is that when David Duchovny first met Gillian Anderson, I guess when they um, were both auditioning for the roles or early stages of development, script reading, something like that, according to Gillian Anderson, he hit on her really hard. No way. That's what she says. And then David Duchovny says he doesn't remember that at all. (laughs) And uh, apparently they, during the first several seasons of the show, when they were in Vancouver, they like bickered a lot. Like they, they weren't super close. They had, you know, kind of clashing personalities and it, 
despite, you know, their characters are written so that Scully is the skeptic and Mulder, you know, is the believer, the conspiracy theorist. But in real life, the roles are switched. Like Gillian Anderson, at least according to what I've read, is like she believes in extraterrestrials and everything. And David Duchovny is the, the real skeptic. Oh, so that in real life. Right. But so, you know, the sexual tension that you see between the two characters on screen that slowly develops as the series goes on is actually kind of real because they ended up being, even though they bickered at first, they eventually became super, super, super close to each other. They went to a Golden Globe ceremony and held hands the entire time. And he won Best Actor for a Drama and she won Best Actress for a Drama that year. That's awesome. And now they describe themselves as they're closer to one another than either of them are to their spouses. Both of them have said that publicly. That's so cool. The love is really there. It's actually there. And to relate this back to Californication, another little piece of trivia is at some point, somebody asked Gillian Anderson if she would appear on Californication as one of his character's lovers. And she said that she'd do it for free. Oh, that's <laughs> so cool. That's rad. I love it. So, I love it. That's so cool. Yeah. So, the, you know, the the movies were, were questionable, you know, like what, you know, who... I don't know, man. It's hard. It's hard for me to dog the movies because I I wanted to go. I wanted. I was so pumped to go. I went, and you know I enjoyed them. But there was that feeling again, like you said, at that time where everything was kind of like dissipating out of the series. The energy was just like ah, yeah, sure. like the end of the nineties into me nineteen ninety eight, nineteen ninety nine. Uh, I was still watching TV, but it was definitely becoming less and less important to me. And as the series, as X-Files broke down, it sort of signaled my decision to step away from TV. Like it kind of like coincided with that. I graduated high school in 2001. The last year or two of high school, I got a car. So I was just like, I'm out of here. I'm not sitting at home watching TV anymore. I'm going to you know, go do other stuff. And I really never returned for a long time. So I, I had to rewatch those final seasons years later. And when Mulder wasn't around and he was replaced by Robert Patrick, who also is a great character, by the way. I know like a lot of people really like hated the idea of Mulder leaving and being quote unquote replaced by Robert Patrick's character. But that character is kind of awesome. Um, and Robert Patrick, of course, played T-1000 in Terminator 2. Yeah, there were, there were a few good episodes that were in those seasons. So I definitely, I've watched them all, you know. Another thing that I really like about the X-Files, and I wanted to get into this a little bit, is I talked about how it kind of like set the standard for 90s TV in a lot of ways, or like set the stage, I guess is what I should say. Because one of the ways it did that is all of the guest actors that appeared on the show. And there were so many. Some of the ones I'd like to mention, Ryan Reynolds, you know, one of his first roles was appearing on the X-Files. Lucy Liu, one of her first roles before she became a household name was appearing on the X-Files. Seth Green, when he was really young. My main man, Bruce Campbell, was on an episode. Peter Boyle, Lucy Lawless, Octavia Spill. Hold on, hold on, dude. Hold on. Bruce Campbell was the one that they wanted originally to become Mulder. Oh, did man. You know that? I did not yeah. know that. How honestly, yep. honestly, what a bummer for Bruce Campbell and what luck for David Duchovny. <sighs> yeah, instead, Bruce Dude. Campbell did the smash hit, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., which I think got, <laughs> I think it, there was one season of that. What yeah, a cry for Bruce Campbell. He's still doing great, man. He's his, I don't know if you've watched Ash versus the Evil Dead, but it is fucking awesome <laughs> it's a great no team. he's a cold favorite man. yeah man he's, 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 hard he, he still know. wins listen to some of these other names reese darby lance hendrickson 
Michael McKean, who I absolutely love, and Jodie Foster was on an episode. Uh, Carrie Elways, Joel McHale. Listen to all these people that just appeared on this wow. show. Kamel Nanjani, who I love. I, I, he's hilarious. So I got to meet in real life one time, and it was he was very friendly. But okay, so tons and tons of really great guest stars. But one of the things I really want to point out is that Michael Emerson and Terry O'Quinn both both appeared on the shows, and they both later appeared on Lost as central characters. So I do believe that there were some connections made during the show running there that eventually led to Lost. Oh, for sure. You can definitely see this common thread that came from Twin Peaks to X-Files to Lost, where it was like, all right, we've got these crazy mysteries that as we're writing them, we don't even know where they're going. Right. Which kind of sucks. It's kind of It's cool. Yeah. You know, um, (laughs) Michael J. Anderson, who played the dwarf on Twin Peaks, also makes a guest appearance on the X-Files. But one of my favorite, and we talked about the uh, Lost thing, but here's another one. Brian Cranston and Vince Gilligan made an episode of the X-Files together. Vince Gilligan created Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Dude, Vince Gilligan was a big-time writer on X-Files. That's right, and he directed it. He was a producer and writer, and yeah, he got his break on X-Files. Exactly, so that, without X-Files, you wouldn't even have the critically acclaimed drama series, like, not even, like, really mystery series, like crime dramas, totally different kind of thing, but you can thank the X-Files and the team that did that for that happening in TV as well. Without question, without question, he would have never gotten the opportunity to do, do Breaking Bad without his absolutely uh, experience on X, multi-year experience on X Files. Okay, so uh, what's next? What's next? Well, my question is now: is what are your favorite episodes? Oh man, you like told me that we were going to be doing this, and it's so hard to pick favorites. I was having the hardest time with this, and I looked through a bunch of episodes and rewatched several episodes. But I gotta say, I think. My favorite episodes of the show is Jose Chung's From Outer Space. It's All right, what's that one? What's okay, it's season one three, episode 20. Basically, it's about them investigating an alien abduction. And every time they recount the investigation, the perspective changes. And it talks about unreliable narrators. And it's this really kind of like meta. Uh, very meta. Yeah. It's like this really meta examination. And it's like the whole episode itself is like a parody of the X-Files. It's like X-Files parodying itself in this really kind of meta way about how... Very very Rick and Morty, right? It's Yeah, but yeah, but only like 25 years before Rick and Morty, you know? That's what I mean, exactly. Exactly, and it's definitely definitely one of the... It's not like a canical episode of the show, you know what I mean? It's sort of removed, it's like a standalone episode. And it's kind of a funny episode too, and less like a serious episode which is true of a lot of episodes of the X-Files. But I I would definitely put that on my top three. I'm not going to say these are in no particular order, by the way, FYI. Mm -hmm. Another one that I watched pretty recently is Home. And this one I like because it is a straight up horror movie. It is. Dude, let me tell you something. Number one, number one episode of X-Files is Home. Without question. I, I just watched this one the other day and it is so fucked up. It is just the most fucked up episode of, I mean, it rivals any horror movie I've seen in terms of, just like, yeah, in, ter- in, ter- in terms of like how. Break it down. Tell, tell them what it's about. Okay. So in the episode, for those who don't know. there's uh, some kids discovered the buried body of an infant that's horribly mutated and born with all of these genetic problems, but it's a, like a dead 
infant that's been buried. The local sheriff tells Mulder and Scully when they come to investigate, because the, normally they wouldn't be in for something like that, but because of all the genetic things wrong with the child, they call them in as a special investigators. And basically they find out that there's this inbred family that's been living on this piece of property for you know generations since the Civil War for 100 plus years without running water, without electricity, living in this house and keeping themselves and basically inbreeding. And I don't want to spoil what happens after that, but it is some of the gnarliest inbreeding horror you can find anywhere. <laughs> Ever. Dude, it reminds me of the tone of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, absolutely. My, my, my wife and I were watching it. She had never seen it before, and I hadn't seen it in quite a while. And I was like, it's Hills Have Eyes. It's uh, yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah. And it is. It is. And dude, that's what's so freaking was so cool about X-Files is you never knew week to week what you were going to get. Because mm-hmm. some of them were straight out comedies. Some of them were horror shows. Some of them were like government conspiracies. You never knew. It was like, just roll the dice. That's what was so rad about it. I think if I have to pick a third episode, maybe Paperclip. From season three, that's season three, episode two. I like that episode because it really ties in to the UFO plot. And it's, from what I can remember, it's the first time you actually see a UFO on screen in the show. Up until that point in the show, I mean, guys, I might be wrong about this. Again, I, I haven't watched the whole series in preparation for this. And I did watch it as a kid, but it's been a long time. But from what I can remember, it's one of the first episodes where it confirms that it's not just all in Mulder's head that there really is this big conspiracy theory going on. And it's not, there really are UFOs. There really are aliens. And it's not just a theory. It's real. And to me, that was like a real, you know, seminal moment for me because I was so ready. My body was so ready for that to be, you know, affirmed on the show. It's like, show me the aliens, show me the aliens. Don't just hint at them. And then they finally did. And that was a big thing for me. Well, you know, what's you know, what's kind of crazy, dude. This is a weird tangent, but a lot of the conspiracy theories were based on what happened during Watergate and Deep Throat, who was a government uh, like source for the Washington Post. And so this government source was like, dude, this is what is going on within Watergate and the Nixon administration and started giving this information, which completely led to the downfall of a president and him resigning in disgrace. I mean, this was real world implications um, and then it became fictionalized on the X-Files, right? So Chris Carter took that inspiration for Deep Throat and you saw the smoking man and all that that was used for that. And then that was fictionalized. And then that fiction became a fiction on the Internet, but it spurred Trump used it with QAnon. It's fucking weird and wild. And the simulation is kicking ass. That's all I can say. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I'm going to leave it at that right there. Well, you're not wrong. Oh, so wild. Okay. So you got to tell me your, your favorite episodes. Well, I do. Number one is home. I mean, anybody that I talk to and I ask that I've asked in preparation for this, Hey, what was your favorite dude? Everyone's like the inbred inbreds inbred. And it's funny because, you know, we talk about the, 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 overarching plot but you know when people ask about it like the episodes you tend to remember are the monster of the week episodes it's true it's true no and 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 i remember sitting on the couch watching that in horror (laughs) going dude is this on television yeah it's it's hard to believe that that fox greenlit this 
episode because it is so dark. It is so well, dark executive said they would never allow it to be in, go into rerun in syndication because of all the protests. There were protests around the country where people I can believe were like, it. what the fuck are you putting on <laughs> television? And they were like, okay, we're canning that episode. No one will ever see it again. Thanks, Netflix. Money wins out. Netflix, go. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, I it's, I, I loved all the conspiracy ones. I mean, Scully getting cancer, her oh, having yeah, a that's... kid, the bees. You know, the oh, bees God, were used to. Yeah, dude, the beehives and the. I remember I kept there was there was like a part of me that was almost it spurred some like religious instinct to where I was like. There was a part of me that, you know, against all logic was like, there's an answer here. <laughs> you know, it's like this, this thing where we know or we feel like in life that, dude, there's something more here. Nothing makes sense. Reality is madness. There the truth is there. out there. The truth is out there. Yeah. And there was a part of me that was like, X-Files has it. These, they've got it. And, 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 and so every time one of those new, uh, you know, serialized episodes would come out, I kept thinking, okay, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. And that's where the movies were so disappointing, you know, because I was like, all right, he's probably he's finally going to let us know what's going on. Yeah, and right. then it was like, dude, it was just more mystery. It was like, oh my God. Um, and that's still, ultimately what kind of happened with Lost and, with Twin yeah. Peaks as well. And I loved fucking Lost in Twin Peaks too, man. Same thing, man. It's that whole, you know, there's this whole branch of, of many religions, Christianity called Gnosticism, which is like there is this thing that it, there's there are these overseers which are keeping you down and there's a truth out there and you can discover it if you do x y and z and it's kind of a cool thing because it taps into some of us are like yeah shit is fucked up and there has to be an answer here to this madness and so for me the serialized story version you know uh, stories were so much a part of that um aside from that I think my third uh, favorite was, of course, for me, you know, was a, a, a one called Field Trip. And it was, I think it was in the sixth season, the 21st episode, or, and it was about um, them going into the woods. And, and you know what's cool is all the bad shit always happens in the woods, which is one of the reasons <laughs> that they filmed up in Vancouver because the woods right. are so cool, right? I'm a, funny you should say that. There's another episode, if I'm going to pick one more, I watched recently called Detour, and it's uh, season five, episode four. And it's basically kind of a riff on Swamp Thing, where they, uh, oh, yeah. like some hunters are attacked in the woods by some mysterious creature. And it's like this phantom creature, forest creature that kind of has a Swamp Thing type vibe going on. It could also like mask itself the way the Predator can too, you know? So it's kind of a mixture of those things. But yeah, like it's another one that, uh-oh, you're going into the forest. Something shitty's going to happen in there for sure. Right, right, for sure. So so Field Trip was about them going into the forest and getting, like, falling into a cave. And they experience, there's like these spores that, uh, or these fungi that kick off spores that are psychedelic. Oh, right. I remember that one. Yeah, and they're starting, they're just tripping. And everything, oh my they're wondering what is reality, what isn't reality, you know? And so that was anything psychedelic I love. So, oh, yeah, I, I completely forgot about that. That's a great. I'm going to go look that one up and watch it again. Soon. Oh, it's such a good one. It's such a good one. Yeah. So, so those were, you know, again, I think if, if, 
I, I brought this up to you before. This was an era, unlike today, in which seasons like Star Trek Next Generation, in which seasons were not today, seasons tend to be like 10, 11 episodes. You know, yeah. back then they, they were doing 23 freaking see episodes a season. Yeah, these, so, are like, these are like 45 hour long episodes, 45 minute hour long episodes. You know what I mean? Like, so these are the same length as the drama series that are on TV or that are on like, you know, streaming services now, but they made twice as many episodes or more, more than twice as many. More. Yeah. So it was so, uh, so to say like, what's a favorite? It's like, dude, it's so good. There's so many cool episodes going back and watching next generation now, like I do every night. I'm just like, yeah. dude, I forgot about that episode and I forgot about oh, that. Yeah. I've seen them all, you know? Yeah, and so, so X-Files is the same way. Yeah, for sure. Definitely hugely influential to me and, you know, hugely influential in the timeline of history, I would say, because of like how conspiracy theories have taken such a root in like human culture these days. Oh, no two ways about it. What's 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 crazy is that the show was so successful that Chris Carter was able to launch three separate spinoffs. And um, I've watched I watched Millennium. Um, which was, uh, I was like, oh, this is going to be so great. It was, uh, probably like 1997, 1998 during the whole hype of X-Files. But at the end of the day, dude, it was all grit and no right. fun. There was right. just no fun. And, and, and that, that tone that X-Files was able, that's like capturing, I realize now it's like Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like capturing. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You're, you got lightning in a bottle and it's so rare. It's hard to find that charisma and that tone and that fun. And uh, and so Millennium, just for that reason, it might have been cool as far as the ideas and had some of the same ideas as far as conspiracies. But it just it just didn't grab you. Um, right. He did Lone Gunman. They had their own fucking spinoff. Dude, listen to this. OK. OK. March. 2001 they launched the pilot the pilot is about um the government being involved in a hijacked plane which hits the world trade center no and they use it as an a ploy to launch a war in the mid-east wow yeah dude are we in a simulation or what Wow, um, that is that, that is, is crazy i know dude how many months is that four months before 9-11 Dude, what the fuck? (laughs) Okay, well, you know, that that, that raises the old eyebrow, doesn't it? No, Um, in a conspiracy show. (laughs) Man, wild. I know, dude, I know. But just remember, man, jet fuel can't melt steel beams. (laughs) I love it. I don't even care. I just love the fact that it's the simulation just, it's like the Ouroboros just keeps eating its own tail. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Great visual. Oh, so then, and then he had another one that I don't know if this, I can't remember if this was on Amazon, like when they were doing video series, but he had one called Harsh Realm. And I think I watched the pilot and I never really got into that. Then he rebooted with season 10, which I thought was pretty cool. You know, right. they came back and I enjoyed that in season 11. I Me too. I, I remember being really excited for season 10 and watching it and being like, okay, that felt more yeah. or less like the X-Files, you know what yeah. I mean? And then uh, being pretty happy with it. 
I think the editing was was very different. It became a little more like uh, like jumpy to to try and be like keeping up with the times. That's right. what I remember about it. Where I was like, I don't know if I'm so cool with the editing now because if you think about Next Generation and X Files, they have this more languid, slow. You know what I mean? They're not trying right. to make it look like a MTV video. Um, right where it's all jumpy and all that shit. And, and that seems to be what I remember most about uh, the reboots where I was like, ah, I don't know if I go, I'm going for that. Like if I go back, I've, I'm watching Picard, right. I'm finishing that up, which is the new season of like next gen. If you think about it, it's such a different pace, you know, and I enjoy the pace of the old show. That's why I like watching it. It's very right. cool. Right. Right. It's relaxing. It's kind of a, kind of a, kind of a, like you say, one of the best parts about it, we've talked about this throughout this whole episode is one of the best parts about it is that it's just fun. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you're just as likely to laugh or laugh and roll your eyes as you are to jump yeah, or be grossed out or to like, you know, have your hair stand on end. Like all of those things are kind of like equally likely to happen during the show. And, you know, that's that's a thing that like the really late 90s and the early 2000s really got away from that. Things got real angry you know, just in popular culture. Yeah. In my, yeah. In, in my view. No question. And that's like that spin off millennium. That's what that was. And it was like, eh, I don't want to watch that. You know? Yeah. I wanted a little more, uh, Douglas Adams, you know, hitchhikers guys, a little more fun. So anyways, that's kind of it, man. That's X-Files. It's, uh, what's rad about it is that it's on, uh, Netflix and you can watch, to your heart's delight, probably a thousand freaking hours of. Uh, of is it on Netflix on. or is it on Hulu? I've I've been watching it on uh, Netflix, but I'm over in okay. the UK, so oh, um, check it out. It yeah. might it might be on both. Why do you think it fell off of uh, of Netflix recently? I think I we I could be wrong about this, so don't quote me. But I I think we tried to look on Netflix to find it. It wasn't there, and we found it on Hulu and started watching it there. Okay, you're in the UK, so they definitely have a different lineup there. So oh, it's so different, it's so different. If you guys haven't seen the X Files, definitely do give at least a handful of episodes. They have the episodes we mentioned. If you can listen to our warnings about them, and you can look, you can find lists of best episodes online, or just watch it from the beginning. Like truly. It's one of those shows that if you watch it from the very beginning, you won't be mad that you did it. You'll be really happy you did it. And like, there's so much lore and mythology to the show that you'll see ties into the way TV has been made after that. Uh, and I think, you know, it's really helpful to learning about. And again, ostensibly, it's a science fiction television show about science fiction related conspiracy theories. But it goes out of that all the time and it becomes a horror show or, a you know, a psychological thriller or a murder crime show all the time so you know it doesn't quite fit entirely into the uh at least not every episode fits into the science fiction framework but overall i mean the show's main theme is about very science fiction related things so it definitely deserves a mention here in the old pantheon amazing it's an amazing show and as we leave this Cutting out now. It was an awesome time. Dude, I'm so pumped on the Dune trailer that just fucking oh dropped. Oh I'm, my god. I think I've watched it 20 times. I'm oh yeah. Using I, my mind. I made my, my wife eat an edible and then like wait an hour and then I was like, okay, <laughs> now, sit, now sit down and watch this. <laughs> oh dude. It's so good. It's so good. So, it's gonna be yeah, such I, I can't a great wait. Call. Can't wait. I really yeah. can't wait. 
We already did a Dune episode, or we do another Dune episode, but maybe uh, we'll... Uh, oh, we're doing one when this movie drops, bro. Yeah, we'll do another. We'll do the Dune Revisited. Dune, uh, uh, the, we'll do the Children of Dune. <laughs> dude, I'm uh, so pumped. Right. We're doing the movie. We're going to talk about Yeah, we'll movie. just talk about just about the movie. That might be uh, the, the episode worth doing for sure. In the uh, meantime, um, I think you know we'll have to think about it because I don't know what we're going to do next, but we'll come up with something in the next couple of days and you guys will be excited about it. I promise. Stoked. All right, brother. Good talking to you next time. All right, man. uh, Touch base. I'll be back in America and uh, oh shit, I don't know how long I'll be there, but it'll be fun. All right, man. Be easy, dude. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, dude. Good talking, man. (laughs) Safe travels. Adios. Guys, if you're enjoying the infinite worlds podcast, you could definitely check out more infinite worlds related stuff by visiting our website, infiniteworldsmagazine.com. There you can subscribe to Infinite Worlds magazine. It's a full-color, ad-free science fiction magazine featuring stories, comics, and illustrations from creators all over the world. You can also sign up to our mailing list. You can follow us on Instagram at Infinite Worlds Magazine or on Twitter at IWSciFiMag. Also, you can find Nick the Tooth on Instagram at Nick the Tooth and follow his wild escapades. Theme song was written by Christopher Whitaker, and our podcast is produced by Andrew Alonzo. Thank you.